Welcome back to episode number 87 of the MP Dude. This is Jeff the MP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices, guys. So keep comments, questions, concerns, headaches, problems. I don't care what it is. I want to hear about it. I want to hear it from you guys. I need to know about it because I'm learning so much stuff from you guys and I really, really do appreciate it. But I also can take the opportunity of my learning and be able to redirect that and uh, send it back out to other people that might need that information too. So email me, jeff at the npdude.com. You can always catch me on Facebook and give me, a, uh, give me a PM there. I get a lot through there, probably more than my emails now. I used to get a lot of emails, now it's more um, PMs through Facebook. So that's fine. I, I, that works for me. Now I'm heading to the office, so if you PM me and I don't get back to you for a couple hours, I apologize. It's just I'm tied up and I'm, you know, my job's got to come first. This is uh, just something fun fun to do and a uh, way to, to learn and spread the word. So this morning we were at 1113 likes on Facebook. We seriously, we, we, I could not be more like just absolutely proud of you guys for spreading the word and, and sharing the show and telling your friends and, and colleagues. And I know there's a lot of students out there that aren't listening yet, but will be, and you'll catch up. I get it. You'll, you'll catch up in that time frame between taking your certification and waiting for your first job to hit, hit the pavement running and uh, you'll have a couple months of just kind of hanging out, doing whatever it is you used to do before NP school. And so you guys can catch up then. It's a good time to catch up. That's when I started this podcast, was in that time where I was sitting there with my thumb in my butt, not doing anything, going, oh, what the heck am I going to do? I better do something. And so I started a podcast to keep my, my, my brain fresh and share the word. Anyways, um, but I was talking to a student <laughs> just the other day that was, you know, it's a year, year behind me in, in the program I went to, and... And she's like, I don't have time. I'll listen to him, Jeff. I just don't have time. <laughs> so I get it. You're stressed out. You got to get, get through your program. I know what, I know that. But if you guys are looking to unwind and not think about, you know, that that next big test or that next big soap note that's due, have a listen to the show. Tell your friends to, you know, put earbuds in and take a nap. I'll make, make it real boring for you guys every now and then so you guys can just take a nice nap. There you go. What do we want to talk about today? Addiction. I'm going to talk about addiction stuff because there's a lot going on in addiction medicine right now. And, and I get these ASAM journal updates um, through through email. And I get them about every day. I mean, it's it's pretty frequent. But there's been a couple things that, that have populated. And someone brought them to my attention in uh, one of my chronic contractables that does addiction. And she said, hey, have you, you know, more show topic ideas? What about these over here? And, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I forgot about I read those. I, I read one of them at work, and I made the comment out loud, and everybody in the office looked at me like I was insane, and I'm like, that's just crazy. I can't believe they were doing this in a study. So what is it that they're, that they're doing? Alcohol. Alcoholism, right? There's a study in England that's going out now. They just got approval to start it. And I, I read through the article twice, two or three times now, because I read it when I first got it. Then I read it when this person said something to me the other day. And then I, I read it again just this morning when I was sitting there drinking my coffee. Like, I can't believe that they're doing this. But I'm going to keep an open mind because maybe this will work. But when you read the very, very last sentence, I, I have my doubts. And what is it? Alcohol, post-withdrawal, not in the acute stage of alcoholism but are struggling with staying clean. And what what would they want to use? What medicine would be the best for that? Vivitrol? Yeah, that, that's one, but that's not the one they're using. That, that one I was like, yeah, I get that one. They want to use MDMA, which is, which is ecstasy, the active component in ecstasy. They're going to use that, and they're going to treat people 
that have alcoholism post-withdrawal in a study in England. And the, the biggest problem that they had with, with this study was getting the approvals to be able to make ecstasy legal, uh, legally. That, that was the, you know, not, not make it legal, like a legal drug, like you can just use it on the street, but to, for the, for the pharmacies and the, in the, for them to actually possess it and to dispense it had to go through a whole bunch of, of legal battles to get that done so that they could do the study. Um, but I, I kind of fell apart. I'm like, oh, well, I'll keep it in mind. Maybe it'll work. You know, I don't know. I just, I, it's, you know, the MDMA receptors and maybe there's something with it. Kind of like what Vivitrol does with the Narcan blocking the dopamine, you know, from being released. And you know, so I, I, maybe I get that, you know, maybe it works. I don't know. But then I read the last sentence in that article, chronic contractible that sent this and I can't use your name. Read the last sentence again. It says, we are going to closely monitor these patients in the intent of, and I'm, I'm completely paraphrasing, so don't please don't say, oh, he didn't say it that way. It wasn't right. The intent of the MDMA is solely, and it was something like that, like the main reason for it being done was to allow the patient to have an open mind to communicate better with their therapist. That, that was the intent, and I don't know if that's a good enough reason to, to make an extremely lethal um, and, and, and addictive medicine. There's, I, I don't know. I, the, my, my philosophy, and, and I know this is, is, if you do the Suboxone training, and this is not the right philosophy, according to the Suboxone people, is that you're treating one medicine, one medicine, right, right like, you know, heroin with another medicine of the same category and it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense and that's that they they do a lot to dispel that as a myth and I kind of agree with that because you're going from a strong opiate to a very moderately weak opiate that's in conjunction with counseling and therapy so I get that that makes sense to me but this one I, I just don't know it's a totally different thing I, I, I have a feeling the addictive personality of these individuals will end up latching on to ecstasy. They'll be doing it on the street. I just I don't know how that's gonna that's gonna work. I, I, it's interesting. It'll be neat to see what the results are. I mean, maybe it'll be shocking, you know, results and and it really does help people with alcohol. I don't know. Weird. It's certainly weird. You guys see any of these weird studies, weird things like that? I, I like weird stuff. You guys know that by now. So send it to me. Email me, jeff at the npdude.com. Send me this weird stuff, right? Um, I want to do my my uh, my advertisement now, right? This is my advertisement. If you want to support the show and help do the good work that we do here at the NP Dude, you can click on my Amazon affiliate link. It is located below on your, on your uh, mobile device, or it's to the right on the full page on the web and uh, what you do is you just click on it that's all it does it takes you to Amazon you do the shopping you otherwise would have done it doesn't cost you anything more but what's cool is that it kicks me back just a couple percent of what you purchase so it's just a direction thing I just direct your traffic to them and they give me a little tiny slice of the pie it's not a lot of money to me but it does add up and it's a way that I'm gonna be able to keep this show going uh, without having to dip into my own pocket because it's gonna hurt next year <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna hurt a little bit because web hosting is gonna get expensive I'm, I'm on the, at the baby stage and it's you know 150 bucks a year 
So it's just a baby stage. Wait until I got a lot of content out there for people to listen and, and share and, and try to help this community. And, uh, you know, I'm not asking you guys to do anything other than click on my link. That's it. Go to thenpdude.com, click on the Amazon affiliate link, and uh, help support the show. All right, there's my commercial. Another one that I saw that came in, and this was somebody posted it on Facebook, and but I had seen this this same article posted in multiple places through news feeds and things that I that I pretty f- frequently read, and it was about the Department of Justice cracking down on pill mills across the country. And what what wasn't shocking, the number was 400 um, health healthcare professionals, including nurses, not just physicians. It's nurses. Nurse practitioners, it's all of them. It's, it, it, there's nobody safe from this. Now, that, that, in my opinion, is a good thing. We shouldn't be out doing pill mill work. And, um, and, and if we are doing that, we deserve to get what's coming to us. But that's not my point. What, when you read this article, the shocking point of it was the amount of money that the Department of Justice is spending to prosecute these people. It was like $300 million. It was a huge amount of money. And, and my, my point isn't so much to, to complain about them wasting the money. Now, don't get me wrong. I hate the government. They're going to waste money no matter what they do. The, the point is, is the amount of resources that our government has to smack you in the forehead with a tack hammer if you're doing something wrong. So don't do something wrong. <laughs> do it the friggin' right way. Don't be a schmuck and be a pillmill.com. That's my new website. Don't be a schmuck and do a pill mill. It just it baffles my mind in this day and age that someone that thinks that they can get away with this crap. You don't even have to do anything other than write your prescriptions. It goes through databases. Databases and when they there's too many of them, it's a red flag. And then some low-level, you know, DEA person says, you know, looks at it and says, "This looks weird," and they take it down the hall to the to the to the boss and say, "Here, what do we do with this?" And next thing you know, you got people knocking on your door. Not cool. You're gonna get busted. It's stupid. Don't do it. I don't understand why. It's just the only thing I can think of is that some some you know 80 year old guy that just refuses to admit that you know there's this thing called the internet <laughs> that that there's internet databases that talk to each other and give give each other information I just uh, he's just sitting there thinking I don't know how much I'm gonna catch on I can, I can do this all that long I got another couple of years I can do this <laughs> I just don't I don't understand makes no sense none nonsense anyways I just I, I, it baffles me baffles anybody else see any of this weird stuff that's going on with the Department of Justice or with the with pill mills or anything like that. I know Governor Kasich in Ohio had made a big thing about um, when he was talking about his opiate new guidelines that he put out a couple months ago. Hey, he gave the statistics of the pill mills in there in Ohio, and it was it sounded like from the article that I just read and what Governor Kasich said, if I remember the numbers right, Kasich actually did more shutting down, it was like 80 pill mills and, I don't know, a couple hundred professionals in just Ohio. And I'm not giving him credit for that. I, just, I mean, it's it gives you the scope of, of the federal government's just got so much money they can just do whatever the hell they want. And um, to to think that you're going to slide under the radar, I just it, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm I'm a big fan of not even prescribing a single scheduled medicine ever. I'm good with that. I could do it uh, if I had to do it because I really felt that I would. You know, somebody really needed a, a couple days of Ultram. 
sure, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, to be honest with you, I think that you get just as much therapeutic benefit without the potential of abuse and diversion with Tylenol and ibuprofen and warm compresses and non, you know, non-pharmacological therapies. I just, I really do. I really do. I don't see the benefit of, of scheduled medicines. Now, I, and I think they have their place in, you know, hospice and cancer treatment and pain medicines. Yep, use away. Do whatever you got to do to make yourself comfor- comfortable. I get it. But most people that are just cruising through life, walking down the street, should not be on Xanax and should not be on Percocets and should not be doing, you know, Adderall at the age of 23. I just don't think it. I don't think it's appropriate. I think by the time you, you're an adult and you can vote and drink alcohol, I think that you are able enough that you can seek therapy, counseling, make yourself a better person, do yoga, do meditation. You have the ability to make those conscious decisions to make yourself better. I think you should, I think you should do that instead of relying on a pill. That's just me. That's my philosophy. It is. And I struggle with it because I know there's people that I inherit every now and then that have medicines that I don't agree with. And uh, it does ruffle some feathers. And, and I get that. So if anybody's listening that matters in my life, I'm sorry. But I tell this to your face. So I'll say it out loud to everybody in the world. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. I can't believe in addiction medicine and treatment and, and decreasing narcotics and be prescribing them to people willy-nilly just because, you know, somebody's cat died and they need a couple Xanax to get over their cat or whatever it is. I'm not, that's not an exact situation, but you could you could see the level of severity. Um, does that mean that when people have deaths in their family, they should go run and get Xanax? I don't think so. What did they do 100 years ago before all these medicines? They dealt with it. They talk to people. They were, they belonged in a community. We have no community. That's a that's a fundamental part of our problems. There's no community, sense of community, belonging to a group, except on Facebook. And that's not real. That's fictitious. That's what everybody wants people to think of them, not what they, maybe they really are. You try to be as open as you can, I guess. But so it is what it is. All right. What else do we want to talk about today, guys? We had, um, let's see. Oh, this was one I wanted to do. There, there was a uh, newer listener that, that was asking me questions specifically about job searches. And um, I redirected them back. Episode three, I did a full-blown job search. Like, here's you know my guidelines of what I would do. Um, I think I did it in episode three. It was in the first ten. I can't remember. I think it was three. And uh, the basic gist of the question is, New student just started less than, like, say, six months ago. I don't know. It was like six months. Sorry, my heater's on and it's like 80 degrees. Ugh, hot. Um, New student. They have in the summertime a uh, job fair for their NP school. And he asks me, should I go? Should I even bother going? And, And what I started doing was I started categorizing things in my brain of, like, How, how I would consider job searches in general. And, and there's two ways I kept, it kept coming down within two groups. It just did. I, just, I don't know why it did, but every time I'd talk about the situation in my brain, it would just always fall into one or two. And, and what I consider is you should always be looking for a job. And I don't mean that you're actively like you know, soliciting, hey, I want a job. 
but you should always have your eye out because then you know what you're worth, you know what your value is to the organization that you're with. Or in this case, this doesn't this this individual doesn't have any current job or they're doing an RN job and you know going to school full time. I don't know what the circumstances are. But you should be doing passive um, job searches. And that's that's what I would categorize as a passive job search. So, yes, I would I would hone my resume um, as much as I could, clean it up, print it out a couple on nice linen paper. I've talked about that in the past, and I would take a couple copy, copies with me, and I would go to the job fair more for the experience of going to the job fair, just to talk to people, find out what they do, find out what they're about, find out where you might want to go, what do you want to work at, what kind of who's the contact person, get their business cards. Because you're going to be done in a year, year and a half, and you're going to be able to, to start calling on these people saying, hey, I'm, I'm ready to start working. What, uh, are you, do you have anything available now? And uh, so that, that would be my passive job seeking approach or job search approach. And then there's the active where you're like hardcore, like I need a job today <laughs> so I can start making some money, right? And, and so I think that, that I would go to the job fair, I really would. But I would do it more for the experience. I would, you, no one in their right mind is going to hire you right now. With a year and a half left or more, I don't know if you're in a DMP or if you're in an MSN, but if you're in a, an MSN, you get at least a year and a half of school left. So if you've got a year and a half of school left, there's nobody in their right mind that's going to invest the time, money, and energy in getting you onboarded with them. And yes, onboarding is a word, or it's a hyphenated word, but it's a real word in HR terms. And so it just it doesn't make a lot of sense that you would go in there pushing, you know, giving resumes. I wouldn't flip the resume out unless somebody asked me for it. And then I would give it to them. I'd just say, hey, this is who I am. Add me to your list of database if you guys actually keep one. If not, I'll hold on to this and I'll give it to somebody that might want it. I don't care. But I wouldn't go out with my resume in hand to try to give a shove it in front of everybody's face because they're going to look at you and say, dude, you got another year and a half. You haven't even passed your certification exams yet. You got a ways to go. There's a lot that can happen to you in a year and a half. You might lose interest and leave the program. You might have a you know a significant life event that requires that you have to leave the program. They're not going to stick their neck out that far in advance for you, and unless they know you. I mean, maybe they could. You know, if you're going to your brother-in-law's clinic and you're working there, maybe he will. But most most common people in HR are just going to be like, give me a call when you graduate and you take your certification. So my philosophy when I was looking for a job was. I kind of was just talking to people. I was doing passive, you know, job seeking when I was uh, in school, talking to preceptors, talking to NPs that were that were out working, and just seeing what was out there. And uh, when I was in my clinicals, just kind of feeling them out to see what was what was available. But I really didn't go around, you know, making phone calls trying to get a hold of HR managers or office managers because in reality they weren't going to talk to me anyways. So these people that always say, yes, you start job searching immediately. I think that you have to be a little bit smart about it. Because if you don't understand what it is that that um, the office manager does, you're wasting their time. And if you're wasting their time, you're not going to get a second chance to do it when you really have the opportunity to go work for them. That's my philosophy. So I waited until... I was at least graduated. Then I started ma- applying, and you know, when I had my certification test date scheduled, and I was like, okay, I'm taking it in, you know, two weeks or whatever it was. I started making phone calls because I wanted something concrete to go into the office manager and say, "Yep, I'm, I just graduated. I'm taking my certification. I have a plan. It's all set." 
because they want to know, their first question is going to be, when can you, even if I had a, a position available, when can you start seeing my patients? And if you can't answer that, then they're going to move on. There's too many people out there. So I, I just I hesitate to go to to pull the trigger too soon. I think people that say, "Oh yes, you should go talk to people. You should go introduce yourself." Sure, I don't care. Go introduce yourself if you can get in the door. But the problem is, is that they're going to remember if sometimes it's not. It's nice not to be remembered. <laughs> if you do something wrong, you don't want to be remembered. Oh, remember that guy that thought he was going to get a job with us, and it was a year and a half early. Yeah, I don't know. All right, then hire that guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't understand business. You need to tone it back a little bit and go in when it's appropriate. When you have a plan, that's that's my recommendation. But I would go to the job fair. I really would. And I would just talk to people. It's a good experience to talk to people, especially office managers, HR managers. And besides, you might you might click really well with somebody, and they'll they'll be saying, you know, your resume is great. I love it. I just you're too not close enough. Call me in a year, and you call them in a year. And you remind them, hey, remember we met at the job fair and you told me to call you and it was, you know, like a year? Well, it's been 11 months. I'm sorry. It's a little early, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, we, we had a chance to touch base. How's things going? How's your, how's your company forecast look? What's next year look like? You look like you're going to have a lot of, a lot of available space. Got an available position. Open exam rooms waiting for me. But, uh, just let me know. Here you go. You want an updated resume? I'll send you a newer version. Yeah, I'd love one. See, it's, you, you can play that. That's cool. So I think it's definitional of, of what is an active and a passive job search. And, and, and I think that's the, the way I would categorize it because there seems to be so much infighting on Facebook about don't do it. And then you hear people say, do it. And then it's like you get more confused every time you ask a question on Facebook because half the people say do it and half the people don't. And you try to, you know, pull the audience, so to speak, to come up with the best conclusion for your situation, but I appreciate the comment, go back and listen to all my shows, summertime, enjoy it, go to the beach, listen to all my shows, that's all, alright guys, um, I'm cutting it short, it's 22 minutes in, I know we've just hit a couple topics, I'm going to do another show probably this week and get two of these posted, and then I'm on vacation, so I'm going to be on hiatus for a little bit. And um, just giving you guys fair warning so I don't get a ton of emails saying, What's going on, dude? Not hearing nothing. It's because I can take a break. And last week I only did one show. It was lame. It was a lame show. It was a good show, though. I got a lot of response on it. It was a good show. I enjoyed doing that one. It was fun. So I'm having so much fun with you guys. I'm having a great time meeting a lot of you guys on, on uh, Facebook and on the interwebs. Just... I really appreciate you guys sharing the show, spreading the word. Give me some likes too. Um, give me some sh uh, some. Uh, sorry, big truck, big truck. Give me ratings. Sorry, sun in my eyes. Big truck heading it right at me. Die on middle of Ohio on the highway. Seriously, we're going one mile an hour. Come on, dude. Don't forget to share the show, like the show, and uh, give me those ratings. That's what I'm saying. Give me the ratings. I, I've, it's been stagnant on iTunes. Um, I know I got a lot of people listening on iTunes. Give me five seconds. Click the button. Give me a rating. Give me an honest rating. If you want to give me a three or a one or a two, I don't care. But I, all I'm asking is you give me the reason why. Why is it? Because if it's just you don't like what I'm doing, then I'm cool with it. If you like what I'm doing and you maybe it's a presentation, give me some tips. I'll take them. I'll take advice. I'm not a five. I got a lot of fives. I don't believe it. You know my. You know what I feel. I don't believe it. I'm not a real five. 
Come on, guys. I'm a solid three. Three and a half at best. All right. Having a lot of fun. I'm still thinking about the chronic intractables. I didn't get any responses from anybody about the t-shirts. Everybody said they wanted one, but when, as soon as I ask them for ideas on what to put on it, everybody goes, I hear crickets. Nothing. So tell me what you guys want to see on a chronic intractable shirt. Otherwise, I'm going to make this thing up and it might be cheesy. I'm hoping it's not. All right. I'm going to think about it while I'm on vacation. I'm going to try to come up with some ideas. Anyways, guys, I appreciate all that you guys are doing. I'm having a blast, and we'll talk soon.